0: you're listening to city church long beach sermons visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org
1: church my name is anna martinez welcome to a jesus centered radically welcoming community welcoming people of all walks of faith from wherever you are in your journey and whatever you identify as we are a radically welcoming community everybody is welcome here Today, we would always start out by um, thanking, I'm a little fuzzy on, on how we start out because I usually show up late. <laughs> They're welcoming about that too. <laughs> so, But I do remember that we have a kids ministry and um, so we are going to start out with a prayer for that. Um, dear God, querido Señor, Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for reminding us of that gift through our children. May we learn from our from these children, from their curiosity, from their fearlessness, to ask questions that may even seem awkward or not right for this exact moment. <laughs> um, thank you, God, for having them with us may we protect them so that their fearlessness is continued throughout their journey in their life, even into adulthood. Amen. Thanks, Anna. All right, so kids men,
0: is kids, right? Kids ministry, Bill? That way? Follow Katie? Great. Awesome, well, wonderful. Let me just get a little set up. Yay, kids. Good morning, hi everyone. My name's Dottie, Um, I'm on staff here and we are in this series for Christmas where we are talking about the matriarchal lineage of Jesus the great grandmas of Jesus. And it has got to be the best Christmas series I have ever been a part of. I am just soaking it up and loving it. It's so great. And before I go any further, this morning we are talking about the story of Tamar. It is a great story. And it's one that has a lot going on. So there is, um, I'm gonna give a little bit of a warning right now. Uh, There's some language around sex working and um, sexual activity, and it's pretty blunt um, in this passage. So if you have teens, uh, we're not doing our youth men today, but uh, Brenna is in the cafeteria hanging out. So if you want to um, go and hang out with Brenna, uh, feel free to do so. Take whatever your family needs, whatever you personally need, uh, tend to yourself right now. Um, Yeah, so feel free to get up as you need. Are you ready? Yes, all right. I love the enthusiasm for this rainy morning. Everyone's pretty activated and I love it. Okay, so we are introduced to Tamar, one of Jesus's great-great-grandmas in Genesis 38. Rachel Held Evans says this, Tamar was a woman who pretended to be a sex worker in order to seduce her father-in-law so that she would have some leverage over him in case he tried to kill her. Lord have mercy. This is what we're talking about this morning. It's a scandalous quote. We're talking about this story of Tamar, and it's a story of her being stripped of her dignity and finding a way to reclaim it. It's really powerful. And and this is the type of story in the Bible that we could easily sidestep or water down because it's pretty intense, but I think there's actually something quite powerful of us telling the story, of us going into the story. It's us moving out of shame and saying, no, we're gonna tell Tamar's story. We're gonna get into it. And so, For all of you that aren't reading scripture this morning, you're welcome. And we are gonna just thank Seleni. Seleni, come on up, you wonderful human. Thank you for reading. And there's so much to read that Seleni's gonna read this and then actually stay up for a little bit longer and read some more, because you're an angel. Thank
2: you, okay. Oh, Jesus, good morning. Uh, Genesis 38: 6 through eight. Judah got a wife for Er, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to to raise up up for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from providing offsprings for his brother. What did what what he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death also. People of God, this is the word of God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, okay, you can. You can sit or not, but, or just stand on the side, whatever's comfortable for you. But I have a stool if you want it, Selene. Okay. This story begins with Tamar to have status, to have dignity would mean that she needs to bear a child. And her husband wasn't able to do that for her. And so by this ancient law, it would mean that Tamar um, actually is supposed to try to have a child with her husband's brother. And so her husband's brother, Onan, isn't sure about this situation, right? So when they sleep together, he pulls out, which is pretty interesting considering the whole point of this is so that she gets pregnant, so that she has more status. And every time they sleep together, he's not putting like he's not holding up his end of the bargain, and we don't know why he does this. Is it because he's trying to keep his status? I'm I'm fulfilling the ancient law, or is it because of pleasure? But what's happening is that Tamar is getting passed around in this story, and she doesn't get the part that gives her her dignity. But in actually, she's being used. Er dies, her husband dies, then Onan dies, and Tamar isn't able to have a child. It's not because of her own body, because the failure of these partners. And, and by this ancient law, her father-in-law, Judah, is supposed to offer his third son, right? This is just the ancient world, right? And, his, and the father-in-law, Judah, doesn't offer the third son which would just be like a further sting for Tamar. She doesn't have dignity, she has low status. And she's also, we're introduced to Tamar in this really tragic, like I'm loving that we're laughing because I actually think it's a great way to approach this text. So I wanna keep that energy, please, by all means. Like it's it's a really funny and wild story, but it's also a a story of tragedy and injustice. Tamar loses, her husband, then she's used by her husband's brother. She doesn't get what she needs to have status. It's a really tragic story. And it's really dehumanizing for Tamar. But what I love about this story is Tamar's response. She says to can play that game. I'm gonna flip the script on its head. So, Selene, you ready? Yes. Genesis
2: 38, 13 13 through 19. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep. She took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with the veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance of Ename, which is on the road to Timnah, for she saw that though she law had grown up, she had not been given to him as his wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside and said, "'Come now, let me sleep with you.' "'And what would you give me to sleep with you?' she asked. "'I'll send you a young goat from my flock,' he said will you give me something as a pledge until you send it she asked he said what pledge should i give you your seal as its cord uh, your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand she answered so he gave them to her and slept with her and she became pregnant by him after she left she took off her veil and put on the widow's clothes again
0: Thanks, Selene. Everyone give Selene a round of applause. That was the hardest task of today. Oh, okay. So this story, Judah, the father-in-law is on his way and Tamar dresses up as a prostitute. He approaches her and says, sleep with me uh, for another day. And, and she says, yes. And he says, okay, I'll I'll come back later and I'll give you my goat. And she says, no, before you do that, give me these three things, your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand. Fascinating. So he gives her those items. Let's stop for a second. There are many different approaches that we could take in terms of sex working and with and there's a lot of different feminist approaches so there's there, on one hand many see the whole sex working industry as one of tremendous oppression where women are often exploited by men so there's a whole movement of like abolish this completely rightfully so there's a lot of exploitation There's another side and there's a ton in between all of this right it's not black and white. There's another approach which is saying actually there needs to be a decriminalization of sex work that that so many people are able to have their own authority and agency over sex and labor with this. So there's a lot of different approaches and in this story, we don't know what is happening. I imagine that Tamar is probably lamenting the fact that she has experienced so much loss and has to use sex in this way. But I also imagine that Tamar feels pretty epic and powerful, that she has been totally uh, stripped of her dignity and she is able to use sex in a really tricky way to get what she wants. It's pretty powerful. And so she collects these items. She takes the seal and its cord and the staff in her father-in-law's hands. And it becomes really, really handy because she finds out she is pregnant. And Judah, This father-in-law is just the worst. He is honestly the worst. So it says in verse 24, about three months later, Judah was told your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution. And as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah. Judah said, bring her out and have her burned to death. This father-in-law, so gross I just oh it's so frustrating he hears that Tamar's pregnant says this is because of prostitution let's have her burned to death he quickly casts her off and and Judah's just a dumb dumb boy I just don't I'm so frustrated by him and Tamar is so smart in verse 25 it says as she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And by these, she means the rod and the staff. And she added, see if you recognize the seal and cord and staff, these are, right? Tamar is so smart. She says, oh, father-in-law, the one that wants to have me burned to death because I became pregnant through prostitution. Yeah. You're the one that got me pregnant. So amazing. Tamar is so clever. She is the one that has power and authority in this, in this right. He, Judah thinks he has power. He thinks that he could just use this prostitute. He thinks he can just not fulfill the law with his daughter-in-law and then have her burned to death. But all along, Tamar is this trickster who has power. And when she becomes pregnant, he has to take responsibility of his actions. He has to take responsibility that he was the one that got her pregnant. And how does he respond? In verse 26, Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son, Shelah, that's the third son. And he did not sleep with her again. So Judah, in response to this, says, hey, 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 she is more righteous than I am. It's on me. He takes responsibility, we gotta give due to that. He takes a little bit of responsibility and says she's righteous. The author could have painted her in this picture, right? Of like, how dare you do this, be this trickster. But instead she's called righteous. And then after that, in verse 27, it says, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. In this ancient time, babies are a sign of God's favor, whatever that means. I'm not applying this to our, our time. I think that's actually really, it's can be really problematic. But during this ancient time, the more babies, the more, the more love and righteousness and favor from God. And so not only is Tamar called righteous, but she's given two babies. She has twins. The Bible could have said she is disgraceful, she is shameful. But instead, this biblical author is celebrating her. Isn't that amazing? And it's this person, it's this trickster who uses sex to reclaim her dignity that is an ancestor of the great King David. And 28 generations later, To Jesus. Kat Armas has this really beautiful quote. She's a theologian, and a lot of um, feminist theologians approach this text with just so much enthusiasm and energy because it's a really exciting text. And Kat Armas thinks of Tamar as this Abuelita, this grandma to Jesus, and and uses this word. how do you say it though? Jodiendo, which some of you know what that means. Jodiendo, which means kind of going against the system. And I want to share this quote with you. Tamar's knowledge about Judah and the strategy of playing the harlot turned her from the passive victim to the active arbiter of her own fate. What an image. Jesus Christ born f- from the trickery and deceit of an Abolita theologian, Jodiendo, the system in order to secure her, su- her survival. What an amazing story this is. I love it. I honestly, studying this has made me so excited about God in the Bible. Because I'm like, okay, there's no way we can read a story like this and just reduce God to being a. Some guy in the sky, like this is way too dynamic. Like God is so cool. And I usually don't even talk that way about God, but I'm like, this story has me excited about God and excited about the Bible. Cause why is this in here? It's so bizarre and it's not neat and tidy. And it's this woman who could have been a victim, but takes back her authority. That is a grandma to Jesus. And yes, Jesus was born maybe of a virgin, right? Like Mary, and sometimes we like to say that Jesus has this neat and tidy story. But as we study Jesus' grandmas, Jesus has these fierce women behind him. And Mary is one of them. Mary's edgy in her own way, (laughs) right? She's cool, she's awesome. But there's these fierce women behind Jesus, often with some type of provocative sexual activity. And this is not a mistake. This is Jesus's family system. And I honestly, I don't know necessarily what our takeaway is from the story. Like, I have gone through it, and I've, like, begged Bill and Brenna to help me work out a takeaway. And the three of us are like, okay, I don't know. So... I think there's something and so maybe we let's just be a this is a time of shared wisdom let's figure this story out together. I think one of my favorite pieces of this story is the comfort and camaraderie that we get that Jesus has a scandalous wild family history and it's not hidden. It's not something that's supposed to be hidden so that he's elevated but it is part of the beauty of who he is. And there's something powerful when we tell these stories. And when we tell the stories of those that are taking back their authority that could have been marginalized and not have any power. There's something powerful about this story. And for me, I know as a perfectionist leaning person, I like the neat and tidy right? At my worst, I'm really comfortable there. And it's stories like this that make me come back to like, great, if I'm a part of this Jesus narrative, if I'm a part of this Jesus community, I need to get into the gritty reality of all of our stories. It's beautiful and it's exciting and we have camaraderie in it. We are not alone in our crazy family histories and we're not alone in our current situations. We all have gritty realities. It's not something to be ashamed of. In fact, it's something that really makes us beautiful. Would we hold that? Would we appreciate that in this wonderful Christmas time?